I'm Taffer. And I'm Caddy. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! yeah! We'd like to take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of that area. Hello, audience. You know, Every once in a while, a book falls in our laps that brings us queer joy. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we need to disclaim off the top of this episode that there's a lot of queer joy happening here today. Oh, yeah. We dove into the very, very recently released novel, A Scatter of Light, by pod favorite Melinda Lowe. Mm -hmm. Um, You might remember her from uh, her outstanding novel, uh, The Last Night at the Telegraph Club. It was definitely at the top of my list of of novels that we've read. Mm -hmm. And this one is a follow-up. It happens about 50 years after the uh, first novel. It's a companion novel. It's not Mm -hmm. a sequel. That's important to note. Um, But so it happens about 50 years afterwards. So we're in 2013 around, uh, uh, what is the acronym? DOMO, uh, Defense Defense of Marriage Act. Uh, I don't remember. That's DOMA, I guess. But the legalization of gay marriage in California, the Supreme Court decision. around Prop 8. Yeah. Um, and it follows the story of a character named Arya who um, goes to spend a summer, uh, well, is forced to go spend a summer with her grandmother uh, in California in the Bay Area mm-hmm. and where she discovers an interesting queer community, comes of age in so many ways. I like that emphasis. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and... Um, yeah, it, uh, I mean, I feel like all of the elements I've already named should be enough for everyone to understand mm-hmm. that this was exceptional. Yes, I don't even know like what I can add to that. This is a beautiful book. And Melinda Lowe is a magnificent writer. We've said that before. One of the things I really appreciate in this book and also in Last Night at the Telegraph Club is queer community, the importance of nation queer community to coming out. Um, But also just like good, solid, old-fashioned butch appreciation. (laughs) Yes! Like, oh my god. Like, Like, yes, she writes your typical, like, femme for butch romance, but, like, just, like, the depths of the butch appreciation is wonderful. Yeah, so we're talking about the love interest uh, to Arya's uh, character. So the the love interest is Steph, Mm -hmm. uh, who, if I understand correctly, uses she, her pronouns, but is genderqueer. That's that's the gist I got as well. okay. Okay. Um, cool. Or is I mean I got the sense that Steph is f- still figuring her gender stuff yes. out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
And I think that Steph is perhaps one of the most frustrating elements of uh, mm. this this novel um, because uh, okay listen uh, this novel just came out we're going to try to spare you the spoilers but as per always they might happen thank you uh, but you know what uh, go get it immediately read it right now uh, because like like you want to read it it's yeah, so yeah, good yeah. put it on your list for to buy for friends and all that stuff like this is this is a solid 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 one even if you don't read YA it's beautiful yeah. it's it there's something for everyone yeah so 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 the relationship between Arya and Steph is basically like it's it's instant lust and um and it's hot yeah but Steph is in a relationship and that upset me it might be the only thing that upset me about this book is this idea of like the messy bisexual mm. like the messy like just the messiness of queer relationships and the like almost inevitable like infidelity in a monogamous type relationship and things like that and 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 that made me sad mm-hmm. I, I will put that out there I wish I wish someone didn't have to pay for someone to discover their queerness. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a narrative that's that's dangerous. I think that amongst ourselves, and I think Melinda Lowe is queer who writes for queers. Yes. Like this is this is definitely like I felt catered to in this story. Um but I I, I just like it's a complex element for me. It's very complex. And the the love story is not well, I mean I I almost feel like I shouldn't say love story. The the narrative is not I did not find it to be like justifying the uh infidelity or anything like that. I mean, I thought it made it very clear that this was sort of Steph and Aria intersecting at a point mm. and helping each other figure things out and then moving on. And it is messy. It is messy and like a little trashy and not really healthy. And it's sort of mutually acknowledged. I mean, uh, Arya even says like at the very beginning of the book, like, sometimes I wonder what might have happened if I'd had this awakening with Mel, who was nice and single and clearly <laughs> into me from the beginning. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah. Or, or uh, oh, I can't even say that trying to say this without a spoiler like there are other queer characters who really could have been that person as well and I feel like by providing that kind of b-roll cast of like places where Arya could have figured this out but didn't Mm. it's very complex it's very nuanced and for me that does actually feel like writing queer for queers because like it is a it is a cliche Mm -hmm. but like every cliche (laughs) there's there's some roots and truth there. And I think often when we're like caught up in the feelings of coming out, when everything's messy and you're sort of self-focused, necessarily self-focused, it happens more than it would if like outside of that. Like mm. that's a very intense pressure cooker kind of situation of feelings. And it's a time when people tend to get very self-focused by necessity. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, you know what? That's entirely fair. Also, the straights and the sisses are just as messy. Oh, yes. Um, and, you know, we are 
entitled to that messiness. Yeah. And it, it is a very good point when everything else is messy and you're really just trying to figure out you sometimes you got to make a bit of a mess you can't make an omelet without breaking eggs this uh being said uh don't take this as endorsement or um betraying uh whatever uh agreements uh may exist in whatever Mm -hmm. relationships uh Mm -hmm. between humans Wow, this got this turned paternalistic <laughs> real quick. Well, I'm so sorry. Maybe it's my like it's my uh, my Melinda Low Butch vibes coming out. Love it. I'm uh, bringing Cute out a bit it. of uh, just just a tiny bit of toxicity. Well, we also, I mean, I really get the sense that Steph doesn't let herself be messy ever. I really get the sense that Steph is like extremely buttoned up, extremely survival mode all mm. the time. And has been in a relationship that's not good for her for a long time, but feels like she owes, feels like she has debts there. And she does not do the right thing. (laughs) Um, No, that's true. But it's an important kind of point on her journey. But I love this specifically as a companion to Last Night at the Telegraph Club. Because in Last Night at the Telegraph Club, we have a coming out story that is based on two young women finding each other and finding a a lasting relationship we find out in this book that they have been together forever with some bumps in the road and we see that beautiful coming out story that is a falling in love story mm-hmm. um, and a finding your person story and it's it's wonderful that's true and I think there's a really fun balance with this one of having the other coming another coming out story not the other coming out story but another coming out story mm-hmm. where like you don't always figure out you're queer by finding the love of your life sometimes you figure out you're queer because you fall madly in lust with your grandmother's gardener <laughs> um have a yeah. whirlwind tempestuous messy ass encounter that cannot continue But you're changed and you move on with that and you figure things out and it lets you be more authentically yourself. Um, And I kind of love the like contrast of in Last Night at the Telegraph Club to women finding their commitment in a time when marriage is not legal. And Mm -hmm. then this one like, oh, marriage is legal, but that doesn't mean you marry whoever you're currently with. (laughs) And I love that. Uh, Every... Um, every piece of queer media that I consume is, is also seems very uh, attached to this idea right now, which is the like, yep, queer marriage is possible. That means queer divorces are <laughs> real. And, you know, and it's it's that right to normalcy. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it, everyone else. Uh, everyone else is entitled to that. And it's not even entitled. It's just it's something that is accessible to you and that you can revel in and be miserable about or super happy about or whatever and that feeling is valid and you don't owe anybody healthy stable relationships except yourself shots fired (laughs) Like, you don't have to justify your coming out by being like, and this was the one love of my life who I'm going to stay with forever. It's beautiful when that happens but nobody owes that to queerness no that's true and um i'm making a face uh because ouch uh, <laughs> um but also like that's something i think i needed to hear and uh mm. audience i hope that you did uh, too 
<laughs> All right. So shall we like dig in a little bit? Yeah, let's do it. I really like the setting of this book. I think I texted you about this. This setting is yes. like super. This whole book was like set in a tone of nostalgia for me. So it's a few years ahead of me. Like I graduated college in 2013 and this is somebody who was graduating high school in 2013. Um, But she is from the Boston area and she goes to the Bay Area to visit her family. And I went to high school in the Boston area and went to visit my family. Well, in Sacramento and then my grandma in Seattle. But like similarly, like Northern California, going to Northern California for your summer or your break or whatever, like very... Um, compelling for me and also very like there's something about when you're when you're young and you're figuring yourself out or you're having your baby gay vibes whatever age you are (laughs) about like going away and being in a new context but like very specifically there's something about going to like a different context that is still a safe context yes of like she has this space she has the most wonderful grandmother in the whole damn world oh my God, I love her. Wow. I love yes. her. <laughs> um, and figuring your shit out in a completely new context with a completely new group. And one thing that I found functioned really well here is the function that young people's first homes, like people in their early 20s, their first homes, have in influencing the people who don't have that yet so like older teens like there's really something when you're like 18 19 you're like moving out on your own for the first time or like like looking at it like she's about to go to MIT she's about to go to college and you go to somebody's like student apartment that they have where they're like setting it up themselves and living in it and and last night at the Telegraph Club also had this but there's just something about the like queer quote-unquote elders who are actually like two three years older than you but they have their own house and they yes. put what they want on their walls yes. and they eat what they want and they have movie nights whenever they want. And it's like, like, I remember that being such a cool thing when I was a teenager. And I just really loved seeing that. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Shout out to queer elders. Shout out also to like art and um, mm-hmm. activist communities, mm-hmm. because I think that there's they play such a huge role in this book, but I know that for me, they've played a huge role in my self-acceptance as well mm-hmm. because there are spaces where, I mean, it's where all the broken crayons end up mm-hmm. and we get to make fabulous, fabulous uh, drawings together. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's all kinds of, you know, sort of misshapen, well, let's just say queer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like queer in, in the bell hook sense and the don't fit in the box sense and etc. But but those communities embrace authenticity mm-hmm. and encourage them and encourage the hard conversations and the hard self-reflection necessary um, to it's not overcome, but to really be able to sit in yourself. Yeah. Comfortably. Um, And I value that so much. And uh, shout out to my queer elders, Eli and Tarek. You know Mm. who you are. But having the opportunity of having some older queers around you who are able to guide you and show you the way and kind of open the doors to this forbidden, well, forbidden, not not at all, but this hidden to some community. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really, it's a gateway into, yeah. um, into standing in your own truth, I think. 
And and just discovering that there are all these people who have the same priorities as you. And who are super different, right? Yeah. This is why Grandma Joan is epic, yeah. right? Grandma Joan is like, she's an old, old lady, um, an old straight lady. And her community is still very queer and yeah. that's there's there's an incredible delight there it isn't just it's not a, an exclusive community it truly is yeah. very inclusive and it's so beautiful because exactly that it's yeah. it, when it's your old grandma well your older grandmother who opens the door for you to have access to to this kind of community holy mm-hmm. cannoli like what an intergenerational transmission of goodness yeah um that can be Shout out to the good kind of Bay Area artist old ladies because they're gems. There's yes. the bad kind and the good kind, but the good kind, hoof, one in a million. Mm. Yeah. You were talking about like the role art plays in this book. And actually that kind of just contextualized some of our earlier conversation for us because I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler, but I feel very much that this book is, yes, it's about Aria coming out as queer, but it's also about her figuring herself out as an artist. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, this whole experience, this whole story is for her art. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's where it lands. It is valuable for her because it's the summer that she starts pursuing art. And because of that, all of the events of the summer affect it and go into her work. And um, I really love it when a book that is a like quote unquote love story, lust story, whatever, ends up being about something else. The goal mm-hmm. is something else. The goal is not the relationship. And of course, we talk about this all the time because it's an exciting new thing that's happening in YA lit of like, oh, interpersonal relationships can be valuable even when they're uh, non-sexual or yeah or anything I mean any kind of interpersonal relationship yeah. can be valuable and, and impactful um, and this is like even the messy ones even the ones that you're like eh shouldn't have done that kind of embarrassed about that yeah thank god for lesbians honestly oh my god Let's just it's like- so lesbian it's so lesbian this book is so lesbian I mean, Melinda Lowe's books are so lesbian. Yes, it is sapphic heaven. It truly... It's like, may we all go eat in and out overlooking the ocean and talking about art. That's what I want. (laughs) I want to move to the West Coast. Yeah, I hear that. (laughs) I think there's there's also something in the descriptions of art. um, Mm -hmm. because, Because art is a central... Is a character in this book. Yeah, and everybody has their art. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I love that. I think also because I'm exploring art as a somatic practice uh, and uh, in a a self-healing modality. uh, But but that truly is it. Art is about just having the courage to put it out there, period. And and the conversations that happen around art and the um, this the personal development that comes Mm -hmm. through the development of personal creativity Mm -hmm. um, and how that ties in with intimacy with, with, you know, various lived experiences and things like that. It's, it's, it's very profound. And the way it builds community and the way it shapes interpersonal relationships and the way it shapes families and Mm -hmm. creates intergenerational connections. Um, The fact that uh, uh, Aria's, 
mother and her grandmother, who is her father's mother, connect as artists, which yes. is something Arya figures out that summer and never figured it out before. But it's just kind of this moment of like, oh, of course, yes. they understand each other on this level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really moving. It is. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it reminded me of it reminded me of my young adulthood and exactly that, that discovery of like because there is an intellectual and critical thought base like yeah activation that happens mm-hmm. um and and i think that you know those of us who have had the opportunity to explore our own creativity like that moment is such a it's like a hurricane right it's huge yeah. there's it's 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 moving and you're feeling things and you're processing things and you're asking questions that you know that that are challenging yeah and there's this awakening that happens just intellectually once you start realizing that like oh two you can hold two different truths at the same time and and uh you know that bad is not necessarily always bad and things like that and that yeah that awakening is so beautiful and i love to see it and it brought me back to it it really made me it made me nostalgic mm-hmm. yes absolutely yeah. there's really i mean I, this has been you know talked about and written about to death but like the connection between queerness and artistry um and i do really think this book touches on the fact that making art and accepting yourself and being able to think creatively about your own options and your own happiness go together and they're a similar kind of awakening. And I think there is a reason that so many queer folks make art yeah. in one way or another upon coming out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that makes it's, it's perfect just, sense. It's just hard not to. And I love that Aria is also a scientist. Like, she does both. Isn't that delightful? Yeah. Because they intersect in so many places and uh, I mean yes okay with with astronomy I said the right one for once Um, (laughs) and uh, you know the study of space and 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 stars which is what uh, yeah what area is going to aria is going to study at MIT Um, but like this past summer, right, with the right. James Webb uh, telescope that went up and uh, the new perspectives that we were able to, you know, bear witness to uh, these tiny little holes somewhere yeah. in the universe uh, that are illuminated by so many galaxies and things like that. It is impossible to look at that as someone with an ounce of creativity and not be inspired, mm-hmm. right? Like science inspires and art inspires science as well and and that's that's really nice it's a nice reminder I think especially as like we're seeing a lot of novels try to uh, contextualize uh, female characters in STEM just to also like bring that to light like it's nice to remember that STEM is not it's not a linear path to a PhD Mm -hmm. right there's a lot that goes into it and there's a lot Mm -hmm. of 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 interesting creativity that emerges Mm -hmm. as folks write billions of essays. (laughs) Well, and there's this focus on light, right? I mean, and that's the other thing is just visually Melinda Lowe's writing is beautiful. And I find that her writing brings in light imagery beautifully, especially like you're talking about North California. If you've ever been to the Bay Area, the light is incredible like you just notice it there's this light glancing off the golden hills there's the light through the fog in san francisco like 
it is a dream. There is a reason so many people there are artists. Um, <laughs> and it comes through so beautifully. And then you also have like where the light comes from in space. And it's sort yes. of a fun combination. And it's also a fun combination of Arya's grandparents, her grandfather, the astronomer, and her grandmother, the artist. Yes. Oh, it's just true. really beautiful. It's just really beautiful. And it's, you know, there's gardens and... Oh, San Francisco itself, which is beautiful, 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 and just there's yeah. very much of it's very much of a love letter, yeah, to that side of San Francisco. Like it's like still the grassroots side of San yeah. Francisco, uh, which has been notoriously gentrified um, yeah. by by Silicon Valley and and tech industry, but still, mm-hmm. like it makes it feel like it's still accessible, yeah. Hmm. Oh, and we don't have time to go into this, but there is actually all these subtle little nods to the gentrification and to class and to the ways that Arya is still divided from this queer community by class. Mm. And like the fact that that they are all service class workers to her grandmother's class of people that is engaged with in very interesting ways. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Anything else before we? Uh... Um, uh, just a shout out to uh, shout out to Melinda Lowe for um, giving us a resolution to Lily and Kath's story oh from my God, the last yes. night in the Telegraph Club, and uh, last night at the Telegraph Club rather. Um, that's very delicious, uh, and it's very kind. While this novel is a standalone all to its own, um, you don't need to read the previous uh, the pr- her true. previous novel. Um, but when you have, should. you should, you definitely should, because uh, <laughs> the last night at the Telegraph Club is a banger. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, in a very calm and sapphic tone. Um, but it's nice to get a resolution. Like, I mean. The other novel ended on such ambiguity mm-hmm. and left us wanting more. Like I remember a- us actually recording and just being like, "But what more?" And we, I just, I want to, I want their story. And now we got it. Yeah, and it's satisfying. And AF. it's so satisfying. It's satisfying and believable, and and really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, folks, uh, I think that just um, about wraps it up in the sense that like we could go on and keep talking about how good this book is but we're gonna encourage you to go out and get it yeah thanks for listening to yeah if you want to leave feedback suggest a book for us to read or just say hi and please say hi send us an email at the yeah podcast at gmail.com i just spent a day catching up on the yeah podcast thank you inbox <laughs> I appreciate so uh you. if you send us anything before february of 2022 i did not respond to it so just send it again but anyway our, our email is up and rolling again however as usual fastest way to get in touch as a listener is to follow us on twitter or on instagram at yeah podcast and individually i'm at teffer bear and i'm at caddy underscore d if you like the show and want to help us make it even better consider supporting us on patreon you can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shoutout to our patrons, Catherine Reshi, Kat McGuire, Liv- Lizzie Tenhove, Chantal Thomas, Erica Stutchbury, Megan Jane, Maddie Dever, and Emmett Cameron. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Tee Public. 
You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, subscribing on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend. Truly, um, any queer in your entourage. Absolutely. 100%. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by Tefer Jemian and edited by Tom Zalat and I, hi Tom, as part of Podcavern. You can find out about all the great shows in the Podcavern at podcavern.com. Bye. Bye-bye. Have you ever seen those lists on the internet that's like top five sandwich toppings, top five movies of the year, top five celebrities who have a very punchable face? You know what I'm talking about. The point is, all these lists drive us crazy because we have no idea who made them and how they even narrowed down their top five list. That's where my podcast comes in. My name is Tung La and I am the host of Ranked top five lists of stuff that don't matter and every episode with the help of a motley crew of self-proclaimed experts we debate battle and work together showing you the entire process of how we got there to create a top five list of any and every topic we can think of like top five brunch menu items top five fictional dogs top five 90 songs top five steves the list goes on and on and we will not rest till we rank basically everything so join us every second Thursday in the pod cavern for ranked top five lists of stuff that don't matter top five top five top five